Welcome to In Focus, a discussion of current issues affecting our economy, featuring a review of the latest research and analysis from the Washington Research Council. Hi, this is Lou Moore. I'm president of the Washington Research Council, and I'm here with Chris Schobloom, our research director and economist, as well as Emily Makings, our senior research analyst. And this is the In Focus podcast episode for April the 7th, 2015. Emily, what did you blog about last week that we should chat on? Well, as our listeners know, there had been a slowdown at the West Coast ports starting at the end of last year and getting into the beginning of this year. And the Pacific Maritime Association and the International Longshore and Warehouse Union came to a tentative agreement on a new contract back in February. And last week, a caucus of 90 delegates of the union voted to recommend to its membership that the membership accept the deal. And a final vote will be held May 22nd. So that would be very good news for businesses in Washington and businesses that ship through Washington and other West Coast ports if the deal is is agreed to eventually. So are we going to live happily ever after or do you think there's some consequences? Well, who knows? And I haven't seen any details on what the deal looks like. So it's hard to say what will happen, but I think at this point, any deal is probably good. <laughs> if I remember correctly, didn't you have a quote in your blog of folks that are worried about the long-term consequences that some of the disruption already has now some shippers using other facilities and other locations? So we yeah. don't know, do yeah, we? Yeah, there but... may be long-term damage to the reputations of the West Coast ports from this. We certainly hope not. Okay, thank you very much. Chris? Yes. Well, the story in the news that really caught my eye, I've been almost fixating on it in the last week, is the decision of Expedia to uh, move its headquarters from Bellevue over to Seattle. It's uh, quite a coup for Seattle. I think it, it shows that the clustering in this um, electronic retailing space is very strong in Seattle, that they felt they would benefit by being over here. How many employees are we talking about? Well, there, right now there, there are um, 3,000 employees that Expedia has, and they talk about adding another 1,500 in the not-so-distant future. So that gets us up to 4,500, which is, is a nice a nice ad. But I've been pondering what this means for transportation. Three-quarters of the, um, the current Expedia employees live east of Lake Washington, once they move over here, that's going to uh, put further uh, pressure on the cross-lake uh, routes. There was a nice article in the uh, Seattle Times last week, uh, which was comparing commute times to Seattle to commute times to Bellevue from another number of east side locations. So it looks like there will be a a fairly high cost being borne by employees, at least in the short run. Now, I would expect that a number of the younger employees who are living in apartments and who actually find Seattle an attractive location to live will eventually move over here uh, so that the number of additional folks on the roads will not be as great as the three-quarters of 3,000 would suggest. The new hires, uh, many of them will choose to locate on this side of Lake Washington. But it leads to a, another question I've been puzzling over, uh, and that is the 
tremendous growth that we've had in downtown Seattle recently with businesses that hire a lot of young kids right out of college, folks who look to live in apartments close to where they work. What happens 10 years from now when those folks get a little bit older, they start having children, and they start looking for the kind of housing that child-rearing families like to have. Uh, Single-family detached house with a a lawn and a place where the kids can play. Um, They may not want to continue living in apartments downtown. If they want to move back to the eastern suburbs where a lot of people lived in the past, that's just going to add a whole bunch more demand for transportation across the lake, and that's very constrained. I'm starting to wonder what this means for redevelopment of single-family property actually in the city itself. And if we're going to see single-family neighborhoods kind of being revitalized away from the downtown core, but still within relatively short commuting distance of the job centers we have down here. It'll be interesting to find that out. Do you know if they're planning to put three to 4,000 employees in one facility ultimately, or do you have any idea what their plans are in terms of office space? They are buying the Amgen complex and uh, understand that that's going to be renovated so that it provides office space rather than lab space, and then they'll talk about them building some more there. I don't know to what extent they're also going to keep some facilities uh, on the east side for for folks who uh, would just rather not uh, commute. Um, that sort of, that all remains to be seen. Expedia to Seattle. All right. I was taking a look, some of my casual bedtime reading. I was looking at the uh, state finances report of the U.S. Census Bureau, which came out, uh, the most recent report came out a few weeks ago, actually for 2013. But uh, the report is new. Looking at it, it was reminding me of a a fact that was kind of startling to me when I was teaching a poli-sci class at night a few years ago after the downturn had uh, caught us in earnest in our economy. Looking at the amount of money the federal government provides states as opposed to how much revenue they are raising themselves. And uh, in 2010... State general revenues, 45% of them came from taxes and related fees, while 36% of their income came from transfer payments from the federal government. And you might remember there was a lot of talk and a lot of uh, political opposition to the bailouts that President Obama initiated after he got in office. A lot of people don't realize that a major part of the bailout in 2009 was a bailout of state governments as opposed to uh, businesses. We fast forward from 2010 to 2013, and we now see that 50% of uh, the general revenues of states come from their taxation, and only 30% comes from transfers from the federal government. It's interesting to see that fluctuation back and forth. And in terms of Washington state in 2013, we had 52% of the general revenues of the state coming from taxation and only 28 
8% from the feds. And we did better in the downturn as well. We were, we had 33% of our general revenues came from the feds in 2010, as opposed to the 36% that was the national average. So all across the country, it looks like, or at least in general, not in every state and every area, but in general, state revenues uh, have been increasing. Looking at 2013, they were up 5% from 2012. Be very interesting to see what the numbers are for 2014. I find it interesting. People don't realize how much of the money that the state spends actually comes from the federal government. Even in these relatively good times, you're looking at close to a third. My name is Lou Moore with the Washington Research Council. I've been here today with Chris Showbloom and Emily Makings. Thank you so much for joining us. In Focus is a production of the Washington Research Council, dedicated to providing timely, credible research and policy analysis supporting economic vitality and private sector job creation. Your tax-deductible investment allows our work to continue. For more information, go to researchcouncil.org. Thank you.